Chapter Eight of the Mysteries of Paris, Volume One. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by James O'Connor. The Mysteries of Paris, Volume One, by Eugene Sue. Chapter Eight: The Walk. On the day after the evening on which the various events we have described had passed, a bright autumnal sun shone from a pure sky. The darkness of the night had wholly disappeared. Although always shaded by the height of the houses, the disreputable neighborhood into which the reader has followed us seemed less horrible when viewed in the light of open day. Whether Rodolphe no longer feared meeting with the two persons whom he had evaded the overnight, or did not care whether he faced them or not. About eleven o'clock in the morning, he entered the Rue aux Fèves and directed his steps towards the tavern of the Ogress. Rodolphe was still in a workman's dress, but there was a decided neatness in his costume. His new blouse, open on his chest, showed a red woolen shirt, closed by several silver buttons, whilst the collar of another shirt of white cotton fell over a black silk cravat, loosely tied around his neck. From under his sky-blue velvet cap, with a bright leather peak, several locks of chestnut hair were seen, and his boots cleaned very brightly, and replacing the heavy iron shoes of the previous evening, showed off to advantage a well-formed foot, which seemed all the smaller from appearing out of a loose pantaloon of olive velveteen. The costume was well calculated to display the elegant shape and carriage of Rodolphe, which combined so much grace, suppleness, and power. The ogress was airing herself at her door when Rodolphe presented himself. "'Your servant, young man, you have come, no doubt, for your change of the twenty francs,' she said, with some show of respect, not venturing to forget that the conqueror of the Chourineur had handed her a louis d'or the previous evening. There is seventeen francs, ten sous coming to you. But that's not all. There was somebody here asking after you last night. A tall gent, well-dressed, and with him a young woman in men's clothes. They drank my best wine along with the Chouineur. Oh, with the Chouineur, did they? And what could they have to say to him? When I say they drank, I make a mistake. They only just sipped a drain or so, and... But what did they say to the Chouineur? Oh, they talked of all manner of things. The Bras Rouge and the rain and fine weather. Do they know Bras Rouge? Not by no means. The Chouineur told them all about him. And as how as you... Well, well, that is not what I want to know. You want your change? Yes, and I want to take Goualeuse to pass the day in the country. Oh, that's impossible. Why? Why? Because she may never come back again. Her things belong to me, not including as she owes me a matter of ninety francs as a balance for her board and lodging, for the six weeks as she has lodged with me. And if I didn't know her to be as honest a gal as is, I should never let her go out of sight. Gouleuse owes you ninety francs? Ninety francs, ten sous. But what's that to you, my lad? Are you a-going to come, my lord, and pay it for her? Yes, said Rodolphe, 
throwing five louis on the ogress's bar and what's your price for the clothes she wears the old hag amazed looked at the louis one after the other with an air of much doubt and mistrust what do you think i have given you bad money send and get change for one of them but make haste about it i say again how much for the garments the poor girl is wearing the ogress divided between her desire to make a good harvest her surprise to see a workman with so much money the fear of being cheated and the hopes of still greater gain was silent for an instant and then replied oh them things is well worth a hundred francs what those rags come now you shall keep the change from yesterday and i'll give you another louis and no more if i give you all i have i shall cheat the poor who ought to get some alms out of me well then my fine fellow i'll keep my things and goulers shan't go out i have a right to sell my things for what i choose may lucifer one day fry you as you deserve here's your money go and look for goulers the ogress pocketed the gold thinking that the workman had committed a robbery or received a legacy and then said with a nasty leer well indeed why not go upstairs and find goulers yourself she'll be very glad to see you for on my life she was much smitten with you yesterday do you go and fetch her and tell her i will take her into the country that's all you need say not a word about my having paid you her debt why not what's that to you oh nothing it's no matter to me i would rather that she still believed herself in my clutch will you hold your tongue and do as i bid you oh what a cross creature you are i pity anybody who is under you well i'm going i'm going and the ogress went upstairs after a few minutes she came down again goualeuse would not believe me and really turned quite crimson when she knew you were here and when i told her that i would give her leave to pass the day in the country i thought she would have gone crazy for the first time in her life she was inclined to throw her arms about my neck that was her delight at leaving you fleur de marie entered at this moment dressed as she was the overnight with her gown of brown stuff her little orange shawl tied behind her and her handkerchief of red checks over her head leaving only two thick bands of light hair visible she blushed when she saw rodolph and looked down with a confused air would you like to pass the day in the country with me my lass asked rodolph very much indeed monsieur rodolph said goualeuse since madame gives me leave yes yes you may go my little duck because you're such a good gal come and kiss me afore you go and the old bedlam offered her bloated lips to fleur de marie the poor girl overcoming her disgust bent her forehead to the ogress but rodolph giving a sudden push with his elbow shoved the hag back on her seat took fleur de marie's arm and left the tapis franc amidst the loud maledictions of mother ponice mind monsieur rodolph said goualeuse the ogress will perhaps throw something at you she is very spiteful oh don't heed her my girl but what's the matter with you you seem embarrassed sad are you sorry for having come out with me oh dear no but but you give me your arm well and what of that 
you are a workman and some one may tell your master that they met you with me and harm may come of it masters do not like their workmen to be unsteady and goualeuse gently removed her arm from that of rodolph adding go on by yourself i will follow you to the barrier when we are once in the fields i can walk with you do not be uneasy said rodolph touched by the poor girl's consideration and taking her arm again my master does not live in this quarter and we shall find a coach on the quay aux fleurs as you please monsieur rodolph i only said so that you might not get into trouble i'm sure of that and thank you very much but tell me is it all the same to you what part of the country we go into yes quite so monsieur rodolph so that it be the country it is so fine and it is so nice to breathe the open air do you know that i have not been farther than the flower market for these six weeks and now if the ogress allows me to leave the cite she must have great confidence in me and when you came here was it to buy flowers oh no i had no money i only came to look at them and breathe their beautiful smell during the half hour which the ogress allowed me to pass on the quay on market days i was so happy that i forgot everything else and on returning to the ogress and those filthy streets oh why then i returned more sad than when i set out but i wiped my eyes that i might not be beaten for crying yet at the market what made me envious oh so envious was to see neat clean little workwomen who were going away so gaily with a beautiful pot of flowers in their hands i am sure that if you had had but a few flowers in your own window they would have kept you company what you say is quite true monsieur rodolph only imagine one day on her birthday the ogress knowing my taste gave me a little rose tree if you only knew how happy it made me i was never tired of looking at it my own rose tree i counted its leaves its flowers but the air of the cite is bad and it began to wither in two days then but you will laugh at me monsieur rodolph no no go on well then i asked the ogress to let me go out and take my rose tree for a walk as i would have taken a child out well then i carried it to the quay thinking that to be with other flowers in the fresh and balmy air would do it good i bathed its poor fading leaves in the clear waters of the fountain and then to dry it i placed it for a full quarter of an hour in the sun dear little rose tree it never saw the sun in the cite any more than i did for in our street it never descends lower than the roof at last i went back again and i assure you monsieur rodolph that thanks to these walks my rose-tree lived at least ten days longer than it would have done had i not taken such pains with it no doubt of it but when it died what a loss it must have been to you i cried heartily for it grieved me very very much and you see monsieur rodolph you know one loves flowers although one hasn't any of one's own you see i felt grateful to it that dear rose-tree for blooming so kindly for me although i was so goualeuse bent her head and blushed deeply unhappy child with this feeling of your own position you must often have desired to end it you mean sir said goualeuse interrupting her companion yes yes more than once a month ago i looked over the parapet at the seine 
but then when i looked at the flowers and the sun then i said the river will be always there i am but sixteen and a half who knows when you said who knows you had hope yes and what did you hope to find some charitable soul who would get me work so that i might be enabled to leave the ogress and this hope comforted me then i said to myself i am very wretched but i have never injured anybody and if i had any one to advise me i should not be as i am this lightened my sorrow a little though it had greatly increased at the loss of my rose-tree added goualeuse with a sigh always so very sad yes but look here it is and goualeuse took from her pocket a little bundle of wood trimmed very carefully and tied with a rose-coloured bow what have you kept it i have indeed it is all i possess in the world what have you nothing else nothing this coral necklace belongs to the ogress and you have not a piece of ribbon a cap or handkerchief no nothing nothing but the dead branches of my poor rose-tree and that is why i love it so when rodolphe and goualeuse had reached the quay aux fleurs a coach was waiting there into which rodolphe handed goualeuse he got in himself saying to the driver to st denis i will tell you presently which road to take the coach went on the sun was bright and the sky cloudless whilst the air fresh and crisp circulated freely through the open windows here is a woman's cloak said goualeuse remarking that she had seated herself on the garment without having at first noticed it yes it is for you my child i brought it with me for fear you should be cold little accustomed to such attention the poor girl looked at rodolph with surprise mon dieu monsieur rodolph how kind you are i am really ashamed because i am kind no but you do not speak as you did yesterday you appear quite another person tell me then fleur de marie which do you like best the rodolph of yesterday or the rodolph of to-day i like you better now yet yesterday i seemed to be more your equal then as if correcting herself and fearing to have annoyed rodolph she said to him when i say your equal monsieur rodolph i do not mean that i can ever be that one thing in you astonishes me very much fleur de marie and what is that monsieur rodolph you appear to have forgotten that the chouette said to you yesterday that she knew the persons who had brought you up oh i have not forgotten it i thought of it all night and i cried bitterly but i am sure it is not true she invented this tale to make me unhappy yet the chouette may know more than you think if it were so should you not be delighted to be restored to your parents alas sir if my parents never loved me what should i gain by discovering them they would only see me and but if they did ever love me what shame i should bring on them perhaps i should kill them if your parents ever loved you fleur de marie they will pity pardon and still love you if they have abandoned you then when they see the frightful destiny to which they have brought you their shame and remorse will avenge you what is the good of vengeance you are right let us talk no more on the subject at this moment the carriage reached st ouen where the road divides to st denis and the revolt 
in spite of the monotony of the landscape, Fleur de Marie was so delighted at seeing the fields, as she called them, that, forgetting the sad thoughts which the recollection of the Chouette had awakened in her, her lovely countenance grew radiant with delight. She leaned out of the window, clasping her hands and crying, Monsieur Rudolph, how happy I am! Grass, fields, may I get out? It is so fine I should like to run in the meadows. Let us run then, my child. Coachman, stop. What, you too? Will you run, Monsieur Rudolph? I'm having a holiday. Oh, what pleasure! And Rodolphe and Goualeuse, taking each other's hand, ran as fast as they could over a long piece of ladder grass, just mowed. It would be impossible to describe the leaps and exclamations of joy, the intense delight of Fleur de Marie. Poor lamb, so long a prisoner. She inspired the free air with indescribable pleasure. She ran, returned, stopped, and then raced off again with renewed happiness. At the sight of the daisies and buttercups, Goualeuse could not restrain her transport. She did not leave one flower which she could gather. After having run about in this way for some time, she became rather tired, for she had lost the habit of exercise, and stopped to take breath, sitting down on the trunk of a fallen tree, which was lying at the edge of a deep ditch. Bracket Illustration Quote, she proffered to Rodolphe the bouquet, end quote, etching by Mercier, after the drawing by Frank T. Merrill, close bracket. The clear and white complexion of Fleur de Marie, generally rather pale, was now heightened by the brightest color. Her large blue eyes sparkled brightly. Her vermilion lips, partly open to recover her breath, displayed two rows of liquid pearls. Her bosom throbbed under her worn-out little orange shawl, and she placed one of her hands upon her heart, as if to restrain its quickened pulsation, whilst with the other hand she proffered to Rodolphe the bouquet of field-flowers which she had just gathered. Nothing could be more charming than the combination of innocence and pure joy which beamed on her expressive countenance. When Fleur de Marie could speak, she said to Rodolphe, with an accent of supreme happiness and of gratitude, almost amounting to piety. How good is the great God to give us so fine a day! A tear came into Rodolphe's eye when he heard this poor, forsaken, despised, lost creature utter a cry of happiness and deep gratitude to the Creator, because she enjoyed a ray of sunshine and the sight of a green field. He was roused from his reverie by an unexpected occurrence. End of chapter 8 Recording by James O'Connor Randolph, Massachusetts March 2012